The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the big stream. I am Kyle Coster. I'm here with Stephen Douglas and our second episode of this podcast. We have struck gold because we both found a show on Hulu, simply called The Bear, went into it with no expectations and no forethought about what the premise was and both emerged on the other side better for the experience, more committed to our work with a deeper understanding of family, appreciation of culinary techniques. I guess the first thing to ask you, Stephen, is did you ever work back of the house at a restaurant and did it matter for your enjoyment of this show? I have, I have never worked in food service. So this was, I mean, obviously I've, I've, I've seen restaurants on television before. Uh, I'm a big fan of like the bar rescues and restaurant impossible and all those, all the Gordon Ramsay things. Uh, so I've seen, I've seen the back of house before, but no, not having experience did not affect how much I enjoyed the show. Although it did make me think, why would anyone want to do this? Because it, it seems like the most stressful thing in the world. Yeah, it's a show about work and when done well, those are always fascinating to me. They are right in my interest zone. This is a Hulu show created by Christopher Storer who did Rami, which was also excellent. I don't know if you've seen that one, but I was curious many times through this series what it reminded me of. We'll get to some of that later, but now reading that this morning, it makes a lot of sense. It stars... Jeremy Allen White of Shameless fame, Eben Moss Bachrock of Girls fame, and Ayu Itabiri, who I had not seen on screen before. And it centers around a restaurant in River North, Chicago. We were just there. You know that I am Mr. Chicago. I am a sucker for all things filmed in the town because they do kind of have this gritty, smaller stage viewpoint. And I think everybody on this show felt like a real person or maybe an amped up version of a real person. And I think that helped with the connectivity. 
But the premise is that John Bernthal, who is on a heater right now, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, has a small role in this. He is a drug addict who runs the family restaurant, the original beef, just your basic fair, um, a staple of the community. He commits suicide and he leaves the property to his brother, Carmi, who is one of the best chefs in the world, has literally run the best kitchen in the world, is highly decorated. And now he's returning home after never being allowed to work there. And he encounters just a hornet's nest of problems that he has to negotiate. He has, in concert with his brother's best friend, Richie, who is a character and a cad for the ages, they must figure out a way to make it work. And you meet the assembled cast who work at this place and you really dive in immediately. We can start with the first episode. I was enthralled by how fast it moved. It reminded me a little bit of Uncut Gems. The stakes seemed really high. The shots were beautiful. The dialogue would make Aaron Sorkin proud. It's pitter-patter. It's going so fast. It's deep. It's nuanced. It's comedic. It's serious. There's points of tension every two minutes. The way that they speak in this kitchen is how I imagine a lot of kitchens operate. They dive into the family style element of it. And a lot of it revolves around the family style, sitting down, having a meal that was bookended quite nice in this eight episode run. And essentially it's about a dysfunctional family that by the end of it becomes quote unquote functional, but they have the same problems. They have the same butting of heads. They have really strong and emotional disagreements that manifest physically very often. But I was immediately in because in terms of world building, this gets right to the point. Uh, one interesting thing is Carmi and Richie call each other cousin. So it kind of feels like you're asked to buy into that immediately. About five times in, I bought in. I thought it was weird before. But once I accepted the show and that little thing for me, I was like, okay, so that's the way they're going to call it. I thought maybe this was like some homage to like a Greek tragedy that was a story that was already out there. That's why they were calling each other cousin. But I think that device was put in to establish that even though they're not family, they're family. And by getting you to buy in and say, I'm going to go wherever this show takes me was a really smart element. And I was in from the get go. What about you? Yeah, they really dove right. They didn't, there was no handholding. Um, like, uh, and Sydney is introduced and it's like, oh, she's, she's going to stage today. And it's like, I, I just looked it up right now to, f- to figure out what the official definition was. And it's like an unpaid intern, it's, but they, they don't tell you that they're just, and they let you figure it out and like, oh, families in 10 or whatever. It's like, well, I have no idea what that means. I mean, never worked in a restaurant, but it, it makes sense. You know, Chicago obviously is a, Chicago was like a whole other character. It's it was one definitely one of those shows where where it is set is a huge part of it. I mean this this show would not would be completely different in any other city, but yeah, like the cousin stuff, 
it's driving home really quickly and uh, effectively that, you know, these people are family and it's not even, it doesn't even seem clear to the people involved who is really family. It's just like the people that work at this restaurant are family. So we just have to go with that. And yeah, it's, it's just very good. And they did a, they did a great job, uh, you know, just throwing you into this world and the fast pace, uh, st immediately stressful. They spell out all the problems very quickly, but yeah, it's just like almost upsetting how, uh, how stressful it is at times in this restaurant, but it's also like paired with just complete food porn, which is very, uh, soothing. So it, it goes both ways. It's beautiful. And I was reading that this cast has immediately disembarked to work on another project together. I'm not so sure we need a second season of The Bear. I think it's a perfect encapsulated story told beginning to end. I, I have no interest in seeing what happens after the resolution of the season finale. But you could tell that the people who made this like so many other good pieces of art, it's a commentary on their own artistic process, right? This is a show about working together and overcoming problems. And a lot of times when you see that in Hollywood, we see this in the award shows, right? Like the awards are always given best picture is seen like Oscar bait. If you make a movie about Hollywood, that's kind of turning the camera around to the industry. The voters love that, right? But it doesn't fall into the traps of glamorizing it. And it's really subtle. And you have to think that the people who made this show really love each other. Uh, it seemed small. It seemed extremely tight. It was efficient. There are some big stars in this. Oliver Platt has a role that's essential to the story, but he's only in two or three episodes. Like I mentioned, John Bernthal is in the background, rarely in the foreground. Joel McHale plays the chef that Carmi learned under, who was just a brutal asshole. And Carmi has to negotiate how he's going to run his kitchen. And he's balancing his background of family and working class against all the academic learning, the diatribes that were thrown his way and he vacillates between them and you really see the conflict in him. What I'm most interested for this show is just talking about how it made us feel because all good television makes you feel. And I haven't consumed a series this quickly and this voraciously in a long time because it conjured up a lot of memories. I'm gonna list shows that at different times this reminded me of and brought me back to those good feelings, which are all great. Sports Night, This Is Us, ER, a little bit of Shameless because the protagonist was the leader of that. There is a certain element of this being released in 2022 and so much of television is cynical now and steers away from the feeliness of it. This steers toward it. So it feels like a throwback. It feels like something that could have been the most awesome thing on network TV at any point in the last 30 years. There's something really transportive 
about this that locked me into a place where I could appreciate all the shows I've watched in my past that are about the creative process, that are about balancing work and life, that are about learning to operate in a family that has problems and overcomes them. And I was deeply rewarded at every single turn and I didn't want it to end. And then you really fall in love with all the characters, despite them all displaying kind of like deal-breaking flaws at different points, but you get past them, you move to the other side where you're rooting for this group, even if ultimately the storyline maybe doesn't wrap up and resolve in a way that is entirely realistic or in a way that was all of their own dominion. I was just rooting for everybody involved. I was so happy to see them on my screen. And I was just so happy to live in this world, which I think it's so hard to break through these days and make something that I mean, I don't know if this is a cult hit right now. I know that it's gaining popularity. I've seen a lot of people saying that this is the best thing that they've watched all year. I would have to agree. But, you know, in a world where we have gotten addicted to succession, maybe the other contender here, this just has so much more of a heart, but also taps in to those chaotic experiences and is flashy and moves fast. So it titillates you, but it also kind of like, reaches down and gets your heart. And I have to say, did make me cry the series finale, which is um, something to be said. And it was real earnest, honest stuff. And it just proved my investment and in everything. Yeah, it's, it's one of those shows that uh, you just love to live in in that environment that they've created to live in that universe. Like for me, I think of like Justified or uh, Ted Lasso, just like no matter who you meet, whether they're good or bad, you just, you love watching them and just enjoy being there, uh, no matter what, whether it's advancing the story or not. And this, this show is something that it, it could not have existed 20 years ago. This is one of those shows that only exists because of streaming, because of the different streamers being able to do whatever they want, letting uh, artists create however big is I mean this is a 20 minute drama there's no such thing as a 20 minute drama in the early 2000s I mean this if you come up with this this great idea in 1998 this is stretched to 40 minute episodes and there's going to be 20 of them and they're going to want a second season if it's actually good somehow either that or this is just a two and a half hour independent film about a restaurant they were able to do this and it really was just like the perfect length for this story they took as much time as they needed and then they did the one the their longest episode was the 45 minute finale so you know it's 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 just perfect that it's able this thing is able to exist now because it wouldn't have been able to exist like 20 years ago along those lines i will give a shout out to the tremendous ringer podcast network i was listening to the watches discussion on this and they said one of their favorite things about this show was the show that it chose not to be which was the episode where carmy and richie go out and work the birthday party for oliver platt uh out yeah. in the suburbs that was a filler episode that was an idea that we're like oh okay we can get 22 minutes 
out of this. It didn't advance the plot at all. Yeah, if anything, it could have been shorter. And I think that that's another thing that makes it stand out. You watch all this stuff and it's so bloated. I mean, even shows that you're not fully into maybe are 10 episodes and they're 50 minutes long. And yeah, yeah, you've made this and you've got the engagement, but the story ultimately suffers. Rami was a lot the same way. Short episodes, neatly confined, get it done, present a point. Another show that was shorter in nature that did it really well was Aziz Ansari's Master of None. There wasn't a lot of fluff. It was like, here's the story we're telling. This is what we're going to do. If anything, it probably could have been shorter. Um, I mean, there were a few times where everybody kind of has a device in the kitchen, right? Carmi, the leader, is tortured. Richie is a loose cannon. Sydney pushes too hard and can't deal with disappointment. Marcus, the pastry chef, dreams big, but he doesn't have the background of actually doing the work, paying his dues, and is a bit too much of a dreamer. Tina is kind of the old head in the kitchen as a prep cook who is not used to this new way of doing things. And she falls back into kind of this cantankerous role of saying all change is bad. There is comedic relief. Chris Witoski, who is a hilarious actor, uh, he's on those progressive commercials about becoming your father. He was also in love. He plays kind of a dopey husband to Abby Elliott of SNL fame, who played uh, the sister named Sugar Berzato. There is comedic relief in the form of Maddie Matheson, who plays Neil Fack, who's like just a dopey Richard Jewell type guy who uh, fixes things uh, as Mr. Fix-It, just not very intelligent. So you kind of got everything out of everybody. You got everything that you needed. But the brilliance, I think, was finding ways for the ancillary characters to interact with each other. The main relationship here is Carmi and Richie. Those are the two leads. And we'll get to those performances later, which were fantastic. The third is Sydney, obviously. But I think that it was a real strength to show like seven and nine on the call sheet to show them interacting. So you could get a total view of the kitchen. And lots of times those interactions proved that all was not well at the top, that there were problems and butting heads at leadership level of this organization that were filtering down and harshing the mellow, killing the vibe, running downhill. And once the people at the top started to figure it out, that gave the ability for the people who are deeper on the depth chart to fill it out themselves and work in the right direction. The character development, though, as we pointed out, was very succinct was very effective and they didn't give short shrift to anybody. Yeah, they, they did a great job incorporating everybody. And, you know, that's how I, how I assume a kitchen runs where everybody has to play their part. And it's Sydney, Sydney was very important. I guess as great as the show was, I I have some real issues with like how they want to change this, like historic, like just plain beef sandwich place into like this fine dining restaurant uh we've got experiments with donuts and cakes in the back when you're just supposed to be making bread carmy really wants to he wants it to be more and i i guess i just don't understand like 
he wants that other restaurant. His main goal and what he actually ends up doing is closing the restaurant. And that's somehow the, the victory, um, which I, I think is a little funny. You would think that he would just, the main thing would be to continue this tradition. And it was more like he had to, he and everybody else had to figure out that in order for this to work out, this chapter of their lives had to end. I wonder how like the the line cooks and the dishwashers and and the uh, baker and all felt about, well, you know, we're going to shut down for a while and uh, open back up as a completely different place. Well, I mean, the conflict was him trying to live a big life versus living a small life. And I don't disagree with you there. Uh, maybe it doesn't make sense on paper, but the vibe I got was that in realizing what everybody in that kitchen actually wanted, they wanted that other restaurant outside of Richie. I mean, Sydney obviously wanted the other restaurant. One of the key plot points is her developing a risotto, which she gives to a food critic in kind of a scene, in one of the more unbelievable scenes of the series. But I think, you know, with Marcus, he has big dreams. Tina buys in. I think that this new restaurant is going to retain everything that was important about the original beef. Hammered home by the closing scene of them all sitting down to family, joking around. Nothing has changed. In fact, they are tied together even tighter. So maybe the takeaway is that you can have both, not without some awkward stumbles along the way. But yeah, I, I think that that's an obvious fly in the ointment, as well as the way they tied everything up was a bit too neat and tidy and really doesn't make any sense with what we know about the John Bernthal character. This series could have not existed. The problem could have never existed had yeah. he chosen to go a different way uh, and, and killed himself too. It's not like he walked away from the industry. He actually kills himself instead of taking that lifeline that he secured somebody else. Uh, I don't know how realistic that is, but ultimately I was happy that there was a happy ending. I had the fear five or six episodes in as things start to take a turn. Obviously in the background of this story is drugs. John Bernthal was a drug user. Richie is selling drugs out of the back in order to augment the income Carm. It's never said that he's using drugs, but I kind of just assumed that he was bound to at any time. I kept expecting it to it, go there. It, there. it made so many hints towards it. And then he went to the meetings and then in like his big, I mean, what could really be like a Emmy scene. It didn't seem like he did at all. Uh, like his entire thing was, you know, was the problems with his brother and his family. As you got probably like three quarters away, uh, through the series, it did seem like it was coming to a head where someone was going to die and that was going to be the big thing. And and it, it did look like that. They went in that direction and veered back at the last moment. And then it was like, oh, well, you know, no big deal. Yeah, but I would have felt differently about the series if that's yeah, well, how definitely. they had closed it. And I was worried they were going to go dark because I don't think a story like this deserves a dark ending. I think it deserves a hopeful look to the future, even if it's a bit unrealistic. Let's talk about the two great performances too. Jeremy Allen White, who plays, what's his name? Uh, Flick. 
and on Shameless? I've never seen Shameless. But does he, but on Shameless, does he also have extremely messy, but properly messy hair where every incredibly messy piece of hair is in the proper exact place to make well, it look that, awesome? That actually kind of resonated with me. I, I think it's important to see yourself on. I wasn't going to say anything. Every now and again. Uh, no, I like that element of him. Uh, yeah. So he played Lip on Shameless. And outside of that, I haven't seen him. God damn, is this dude intense. And he's intense in a way that doesn't feel like he's trying to be intense. He's so good with his eyes. He has a unique look. You're drawn to his eyes and kind of his, I don't even know how to describe like frying pan face, like is so expressive. There's a lot of pain in there. Even when he's happy, you can see that he's tormented I was blown away at this dude because he had to keep so much under the surface at the points he wasn't exploding. And then he also had to explode dozens of times throughout the series. He was a live wire, but you could see that he meant well, and you could see that he was deep. The moments where he's in there trying to figure out the business plan after putting in a 12 hour day running the kitchen in extremely stressful situations showed that he was deep and nuanced and thoughtful, but also at the same time over his head in, in all this situation, I thought you make the case earlier that that could have been an Emmy speech when he goes to the meeting and he gives a long monologue. A lot of people are saying that uh, it doesn't get any better than that. And even in that he's speaking not in a monotone level, but he's just giving you everything, like everything with his body. He's athletic. He has tattoos, like everything about him was just so compelling on the screen that it made me wonder why we haven't seen more of him in like major motion pictures, because I think he can play that role. And that framework of a role exists in almost every single movie, right? Someone who's just a little bit dark and has a little bit of an edge. You could plug him into almost anything and he could fulfill that in spades. Yeah, he, he's incredible in this series. Uh, he's kind of a short actor that they let that allows him to, himself to be portrayed as short. I feel like a lot of the uh, shots of him were him looking up, kind of, maybe because he's always bending over, you know, over the, uh, over the bench cooking. But like he he always just seems to be looking up at everyone. Yeah, it was just great performance. And I I would like to see him in more and see more of his incredible hair. And then the second performance is by Eben Moss Bachrock, who I don't know if you watched Girls. Did you watch Girls? So nope. in Girls, he, I'm play, sorry. Yeah, he plays uh, kind of an aloof musician who's kind of a dick. But this role was awesome. I thought that this was the best character that they presented. He did everything under the sun to get you to not like him, but was ultimately endearing still. He was a doofus, but he cared about family and tradition at some points kind of in a hacky way. But I thought the ideas he brought to the table, well, they so often get dismissed as retrograde or not coming from a place of intelligence. I think that you could see that there was a lot of 
real world moxie and grit to him that formed him that he wanted to pass on. There's a conversation early on where they're talking about how Carmi had worked at the best restaurants and gone to culinary institutes, uh, the best in the world. Uh, Richie instead went to DeVry. Uh, he's probably never left Chicago. He will never leave Chicago. There's nothing he loves more than Chicago. But when push comes to shove, he will complain, but he will do whatever it takes to keep things on track. He solves a lot of the bigger issues in ways that you wouldn't want them solved, but they still get done. It's a total departure from things that he's been in in the past. And the comedic notes too were awesome. I've never seen this guy be funny before. The other thing that I've seen him in is in that dope sick where he plays a reporter breaking the Sackler story. And in that he's just very earnest very intelligent, but this opened him up to a whole different level as this wise cracking guy who brings a lot of problems into the kitchen, but will also provide a lifeline to get out occasionally. Yeah. We've seen a million different versions of this character, you know, this, this really good friend, this family member who's, you know, kind of a piece of crap almost, but also, you know, he's like, he's, funny he's the he's the truth teller while also being wildly uh untruthful he's just the person who embodies the neighborhood but yeah he he was funny and it was part of that thing where it was like that it's that 20 minute show and i went in knowing nothing about it except seeing people you know say it was great and when i saw the time i thought it was a comedy and you know you get through the pilot and it's got the dream sequences and it's, you know it's kind of drama but it's also got the jokes and at by the end it's like it's it's not a comedy it's not a drama it's it's just everything it's just a good story and you know he perfectly portrayed all of that as we get closer to service time here as the doors are about to open we are about to be inundated with 300 people who need their sandwiches, cakes. Another thing, it seemed like they were serving a lot of disparate things. Um, I, I wasn't 100% sure what was on the menu at this place, but- you, like, You've got your beef sandwiches and your spaghetti. And everything Obviously. and everything in between. And, and those changes can be made on, on the, the fly, fly uh, depending on what's available in the walk-in cooler. In terms of score for this, if we're gonna use four stars, I'm hesitant to use four stars for anything, especially so quick out of the gates here. Uh, so I'll give it a 3.75 uh, and just say that it was delightful. It's hard for me to imagine another show reaching me in this specific way. I couldn't give it a higher recommendation to anybody. I think that it's connective to a lot of different people too. And I was very concerned at the beginning about not having back of house experience that that might tie me back. I was like, okay, is this a show just about restaurants? Am I going to need to know and appreciate and love that world in order to get what I need to get out of it? And the answer was no. Uh, by episode two, I, I got it. And I honestly felt like I learned a lot about working in kitchens, even if that's working in kitchens on steroids. But I think in a way that you could use it and apply it to your own life. I mean, just the joy of work and work being presented in that way so magnificently 
on screen and then to have that occupation be one that's really working class and really physical and really gritty and not opulent at all, I think is a very tough needle to thread. And they did it. I am going to watch this again to watch, to pick up on things that I missed. But in terms of everything that's out there, you would be hard pressed to do better than the bear. Yeah, I think it's pretty much as close as you can get to a a perfect show. Um, well, also like even, even the things that, you know, I had some, they weren't really issues. It's just like the nitpicky things. Like you've seen the dark Knight 50 million times and you're like, well, that part is actually ridiculous. But I mean, the first few times you watch, it, it's like, that is just incredible. And I think that's kind of how it is with the bear. It's just really well done. Um, you believe all the characters, you believe why they're doing the things for eight episodes of one off, I, I would hate to see them try and do a second season because then you would have to go the sitcom route. I don't know how you would be able to spin more drama out of these characters without like going into their homes more. You know, if as long as this just stays this enclosed, this eight episodes, this one little story, you know, I there's no one I wouldn't recommend this to. I, I would. I would bestow on it four stars Heard. out of four stars. Heard. Yes, chef. Yes. Um, now, it was fire. Fire, chef. Let it rip. Now, one final question for you. If you had to work back of the house here, what role would you take or what role would you be best at? I'd, I'd probably want a Tina's job just doing the because the, the rest of the stuff, there's just way too much pressure i like i i'm the main cook for my family and just like preparing everything and there i i i have felt that in my own life like just you know preparing the mac and cheese like oh god damn it there's way too much milk in here i i need to thin this out i need more cheese just that kind of thing i'm you know i'm i was not built for that i would completely be the person screaming and swearing in the kitchen and so i i sh actually i should probably be the guy uh trying to fix stuff even though i can't Just yeah that makes sense really i see that role for you i'm gonna yeah. remove myself from all the stress or at least the front end stress and i'm just gonna wash the dishes you know what yeah. just make sure you take that nicely cut green tape off your dishes yes. before it gets back to me so i don't have to take the time to scrub that off and I'm going to be happy. That's Stephen Douglas. I'm Kyle Coster. That has been our genuine and honest appreciation for the bear on Hulu. If you have not watched it, you need to fix that right now. Stay tuned. We'll be back later this week with something else from the wide world of streaming. Thanks for listening.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.